not my crutch. My wife told everybody, if he can't talk after this operation, it will kill him. <laughs> but praise the Lord. Her wish didn't come true. <laughs> no, why am I here tonight? I can only say there's only one reason I'm here tonight. And it's the love of God. But then my loving wife's prayers and prayers of the saints. When I got back, I told, I could feel the prayers of the saints from way down in Dallas, Texas. So first things first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much that we can come each week and hear your word, hear um, the great things that you do, Lord that none of us can um, even think about or know in advance like you, Lord. We are so pleased to be here tonight, Lord, to worship you, because it's all about you, Lord, not about us, everything for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, and I might have another reason I'm here tonight. Pastor Rick caught me in a weak moment and got me to agree to do this. <laughs> but can everybody understand me? Because in my head, I was telling Diane that it sounds different to me in my head than the way I used to sound before the operation. And because it's bouncing around in a different way in the speaker shell. So I hope it's, it's good. But I don't know if everyone knows my medical story. Um, so I'll go through that real quickly if you have a couple of hours and then we'll get out of here by nine. Um, no, we're not going to be that long. I'm going to breeze through it. And, and, and I'm only going through a medical episode with cancer, but it's not my first medical rodeo. I've had other medical issues in my life. And so... I'm going, it's just another episode. Um, and the one Bible verse that I focused on all, in all those medical episodes, I got from our pastor way back in the 80s. And it's Nahum 1-7. The Lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those 
who trust in him. And he's a stronghold. And so that's my focus when I go through life's trials. I mean, it's not just medical issues. There's other trials that we all go through. But he's our stronghold. And I never really knew that verse until our pastor emphasized it, saying, this is a good verse to always know. And, and I've learned to hang on to it. In the first, that's the very first verse that pops into my brain when something is coming down the pike. And he is that stronghold I can always run to when things aren't happening, as Matt said, as planned. Because we plan our life. We moved to Michigan in the middle of COVID. Came to this church and didn't have to wear a mask. (laughs) Yet some were, but I didn't have to, and I was so thankful that I had found a home. This, this little episode began in March after the cold winter, which I can say on a scale of one to 10, I rate it minus one because I'm not a Michigander. I, <laughs> I am a Southern boy. I was born in Tampa, Florida. And here I am living in Michigan. And I'm going, how did I end up here? That's another story. (laughs) But I went to my regular doctor on a visit because I was starting to feel something in my mouth. And I had issues with squamous cell carcinomas from being out in the sun. I'm a native Floridian, right? Native Floridians live in the sun, played golf, did everything, played tennis. You're always out in the sun, mow the yard without your shirt on, all those things. So when I'd been through four of those, and it's no big deal, right? But then I go to my regular doctor and he goes, I don't like the look of that. So let's refer you to an ENT. So they referred me to an ENT. I went to visit the ENT. And lo and behold, he didn't recognize what it was and didn't even do a biopsy at that time. And I'm in pain. So he says, here, use this prescription and... Hopefully it will heal it. Well, it didn't. So I go back. He shoots me up and then takes a biopsy. And it was like, I don't know if anybody ever saw Marathon Man with um, uh, Dustin Hoffman when the dentist pulls a filling out of his tooth and says, is it safe? Well, that's the way it felt. It hurt. So we got the biopsy, 
and the results were not what I wanted to hear. And I go, now how in the world can I get that? So then I made an appointment with, um, tried to get an appointment with a surgeon in Grand Rapids. But I kept running into a roadblock with the health system, the Spectrum Health System here. And couldn't get in to get a CT scan because they won't see you until you get a CT scan. So, or a PET scan, excuse me, PET scan. And I couldn't get it scheduled. I was getting very frustrated. Well, I was in conversations with my brother in Dallas, and he goes, just come on down here. We'll get it done. And so he called up a surgeon that we know that had done one of my squamous, the very first one I had, and he recommended an ENT surgeon at Baylor University or hospital in Dallas. So I got I got an appointment for the middle of May, but then all of a sudden, like, boom, I got an appointment for May 2nd. And here we are in the, in the last week of April. My wife and I are throwing things into the suitcase, and we're off to Dallas um, with a stop in Little Rock to see my niece because she said, oh, stop by and stay with us. So we drove to Dallas, got there on Sunday the 1st. And um, on May 2nd, I saw the surgeon. And he goes, he, you know, how surgeons are dead. You know, they have this poker face, you know, and he looks at it and he, okay, let's get a CT scan. And I'll bring you back in. So then I got the CT scan on the 4th. I mean, I show up in Dallas. Two days later, I get the CT scan. I'm sitting here over a week and couldn't get one. And I'm going, wow, this is amazing. So I told Rick it was okay to tell the church at that time. And he told me on the 6th that the church was praying. And I told Rick on the 8th that the prayers could be felt and were keeping me very calm. And it was just amazing how everything was falling into place. And on May 9th, I celebrated my 74th birthday. I know I look 39, but um, but on May 9th, May 16th, Rick texts me, Psalm 112, 7 and 8a. He will not fear bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is firm. He will not fear. And we knew that we were going to be waiting a couple of weeks because after I went to the doctor and he got 
the CT scan. They we went back. He scheduled the surgery for the 31st. That was a two-week wait. So here I am staying with my brother. He just opened his house up and said, hey, stay as long as you want to. We had the whole upstairs to ourselves. They're downstairs. We got this whole upstairs. It was nice. And the kids, Ashley and Justin, Brooke, my other daughter, and her husband said, you need to get away because you have a big thing coming up um, at the end of the month. And that was our fifth, 50th wedding anniversary coming up on the 26th. So the kids gave us a respite from my brother because my brother, <laughs> you know, he had his rules, you know, you have the house rules. You go to stay at somebody else's house, they have house rules. So. But still, we didn't mind. So it was great. We got a nice getaway um, and stayed at this really nice apartment for a few days. My other daughter came because it was close to her. And so we got to spend time with her. Okay, on May 31st, the big surgery. Um, Dr. Oxford and Dr. Britt, they're partners in their um, practice. And so we went down at 5.15 in the morning to go to the surgery. And it was going to be at 7.15. So they prep you and everything and get ready. And... I get to the big operating room. This thing was huge. I couldn't believe it. There must have been a dozen people in this operating room. I said, what's going on? Well, they had a bunch of students, doctors, going to observe the whole thing. And I'm going, oh, boy. <laughs> you see that in movies where they have the gallery looking at the surgery and the surgeon telling everybody what he's doing. So, but good friends from our old church showed up to sit with Orlean, Elaine, and Patsy. They were from our old Sunday school class in Dallas, and they sat with Orlean and prayed during the whole thing. And Orlean tells me it was about just shy of four hours of surgery. But the thing was, when I went back to the appointment and learned about the surgery, I didn't, I thought, well, they'll just get in there and cut some stuff, you know, and do things. No, it was not that. They cut out half my tongue, took a chunk off my arm, put that chunk in my mouth to take up the place where half my tongue was gone. And then they go to my leg and take a chunk out of my leg and put it on my arm. And I'm going, never dream this. No plan. I never planned that, Matt. <laughs> I was shocked. But so went through all that, um, got through the hospital stay. It was 
Um, on the seventh day, I finally sprung out. Actually, it was the eighth day I sprung out because I started on the 31st of May. On June 7th, got sprung. And what a glorious day. I had a lot of spring in my step that day, getting out of that, that place. And Nurse Orlean learned how to change all my bandages because I had to have them changed daily for a while. I mean, for weeks. I mean, it was, I was so glad she learned that. <laughs> and then I went back to see Dr. Oxford, and he told me everything was clear. They had taken out my lymph nodes from here down to my neck. I had a trach for about four or five days. Um, all this was still not healed. None of it was healed when I went back to see him on the um, 13th of June. I mean, it was still. And then he said, even though it was all clear, I still recommend you see an oncologist. So I came back. I said, I was recouping, recouping at my brother's house and I prayed and prayed and prayed, and I, and I think, decided with Orlean that no, no follow-up oncology, no radiation, because I already had read what it does. So I went, I got back home, uh, we, we left, um, my brother's house headed back and went to Little Rock and then we drove to Little Rock to Effingham and spent the night in Effingham because Orlean I mean um, Ashley and Justin says you don't need to drive a long 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 day and I'm so glad so we stayed in Effingham that night and then drove in from Effingham and so, on June, June, I decided after we got home to do a radical diet, but um, I went to see the, the oncologist first, and I went loaded with questions, because all this time, I'm reading the word and saying, I'm with you, I'm with you, and I'm going to get into what I was reading and studying. But Ashley found a book by this guy who had three, thir, um, stage three cancer when he was 26, and he's alive today. Um, after change, just walking away from chemotherapy before it even started. And so he, he, got a, he gave a bunch of questions to ask the oncologist. And I went to see the oncologist and it didn't go well with him, for him or with him. And because I asked him, this is the one question I ask him that I don't know if anybody sitting here 
would have made the same decision, but I asked him, if your wife had the same exact prognosis that I have, would you put her through your regimen? And he says, oh yes, I would. But she'd hate me in the end. And that answered the question for me because I didn't want to hate the guy. <laughs> I did not want to hate that doctor because if he would do that to his wife and make her hate him, that told me a lot. But then he opened up and spelled out exactly how terrible the cure was. And I'm going, that's not the cure for me. I am not going to do that. I'll live the number of days the Lord has given me and be as healthy as I can. I am not going to purposely go and make myself super ill. And throughout this whole ordeal, I so that was my decision. I changed my diet. I have lost weight. I'm down. My doctor last week told me, don't lose any more weight. You're down thin enough now. <laughs> so I don't want you to lose two pounds a month like, you know, next month or next time I see you. I don't want to see you coming down. So I said, okay, I'll eat. Um, but I have been eating, but eating right things. And throughout this whole ordeal, I've been studying the scriptures that not only lifted my spirits, but those who, that told me how blessed I am to be able to talk to the Lord and for him to have already answered my questions before I ask. And of course I landed in Psalm 119. One of the great conversations with the Lord. And here are the few of the verses I meditated on in Psalm 119. And the first one is 119.71. It's good for me that I was afflicted so that I may learn your statutes. It was good that I was afflicted. And I'm thinking, I've been afflicted a number of times. I guess I still haven't gotten the message. But he really let me get a strong message this time. And like we learn today, it's not for evil. God does not push evil on us. It's he allows things to happen which steer us. Psalm 119.50, this is my comfort and my misery that your word has revived me in my misery. And you know, all this time, I don't feel miserable. I never felt miserable. 
I felt zero pain after surgery. I couldn't believe it. I had no pain. They were giving me a painkiller, right? But then they eliminated that right away. Then they said, do you need Tylenol? No. So I have been blessed by no pain. And then the, old, the one we all know, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And that's where we need to focus when we're going through these trials. I'm just thankful I can talk. I, I'm thankful that I found surgeons who could do what they did even though I didn't like <laughs> what they did to me. I mean, I still am numb on the left side of my face. My ear is still numb, but it's waking up. And the reason I know it's waking up is because when I touch it, it hurts. And you're going, that's weird. Just touching, it hurts. So, Staying in Psalm 119, uh, verse 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I wait for your word. It is really amazing how when you meditate on God's word, how you can get through. I was in that hospital eight days, and I'm going... It didn't seem that long. Yeah, it was long, but it didn't seem that long. And I didn't, I wasn't miserable. And I had my wife at my side the whole time. She would just leave, you know, and then come back. I had great visitors, too. We had the frost came and visited me while I was in the hospital. Here's another one. Romans 5.3. Matt touched on Romans today about how wonderful the theology is in the book of Romans. And not only that, but we are, and this is Romans 5.3, and not only that, but we are also glory We also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. You know, you always say, Paul was such, I always think the Pollyanna of the Bible. (laughs) Oh, look at it on the bright side. Look at it on the bright side. Look at it on the bright side. Our sufferings are great. It's fun, you know. Be thankful for your suffering. <laughs> okay, Pollyanna. But, but here's the one that really stood out to me um, while I was with my brother. and Because I was also going to Proverbs, too. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. 
A brother is born for adversity. And I told him, I said, you know, you were born for this. He goes, what? I said, you were born for my adversity. You're my younger brother. God sent you to be there for me. 74, you know, 70 years later, he's 70. And he goes, whatever. (laughs) But he acted just as the scripture said. A brother or sister is a special person in your life when you face an extreme adversity. And this taught me a lesson that I will never forget because I was struggling. I was getting very frustrated with the medical up here. And he jumps in and says, let me call, you know, Dr. Shokir, and we'll get this taken care of right away. You can get it, get in the car, get on the airplane, just get down here and we will take care of this. And that's my younger brother. Well, he's one of those business planner guys, you know. I got the plan. Let's do it. And so and that taught me a lesson that never count out your siblings when it, there's a hard time. Be there for your brothers and sisters. And then I went to my good old buddy, Matthew Henry, because I love that, this scripture, Proverbs 17, 17. And lo and behold, he says, relations must, in a special manner, be careful and tender of one another in affliction. A brother is born to succor, that means support and you know, uplift a brother or sister in distress to whom he is joined so closely by nature that he may the more sensibly feel from their burdens. He's got the clear head. We're in the burdens. He's got the clear head. And be more strongly inclined and engaged as if it were by instinct to help them. This was written in the late 1600s. Now, mind you, we must often consider what we were born for, not only as men, but as in such a station and relation. Who knows, but we came into such a family for such a time as this. And I look out at Harvard Church. That's my family too. We do not answer the end of our relations if we do not do the duty of them. Some take it thus, a friend that loves at all times is born 
that is, becomes a brother in adversity and is so to be valued. As we all face these trials ahead, let's remember that too about all of us here. Don't be afraid to tell each other what problems or adversity we're facing because our brothers and sisters will be there for us. It's going the wrong way. Okay. So in conclusion, I might as well conclude because I didn't want to keep you here till nine o'clock. So (laughs) I have learned a lot of valuable lessons in this trial. And it wasn't a trial that I ever dreamed I would go through. There might be a bigger one waiting down the road. We don't know. But we have to stay calm in the storm. We are safe when we are in the... I heard this from a pastor many years ago. When we're in the sweet spot of God's grace. We need to stay in the sweet spot of his grace and love as we go through this life. And we're going to be facing trials, every one of us. It's not if, it's a when. I've been in the insurance business for years and I know it's a when you go through it. So that's what I've learned, but I am so thankful that I can stand up here and even talk to you tonight because I thought I wouldn't be able to talk if this happened. Now I've heard, and let me tell you, let me back up real quick. This floor in the hospital was dedicated to this one practice. The whole floor at Baylor in this one particular building Those doctors in that ENT practice, every patient on that floor was one of theirs. That's how these, I call them rock stars, because every time they came on the floor, the nurses and all the um, PAs and the doctors and residents treated them like rock stars because they did this daily. And I'm going, how can they do this daily? And every one of them had to do with neck and head surgery. So that's my brief testimony. Now I could be heading to more troubles ahead, but... um, I hope this helped you a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm going, it's not me. None of this was me. I'm just the vessel. So.
Thanks.